Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. If they were taking a knee and they were being respectful, I'd be proud of them. You know, hopefully, you know, I join them because I think we've learned a lot since 2017. I think we've evolved as a country. And this is really a unique point in time where we can grow as a society. We can grow as a country and become far more inclusive. That's Mark Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks owner right there. NBA has a rule that says players and coaches must stand for the anthem, but Cuban hoping the league can adapt, PK. Me too. You don't want to hear from Mark Cuban. That'll change everything. (laughs) 2020, catching up to 2016 and 17. The Lakers, one of the many NBA teams, taking today off to celebrate Juneteenth and and announce the hiring of UCLA African-American Studies professor Karita Brown as the franchise's director of racial equality and action. They made the announcement yesterday, hiring the UCLA professor. And a Milwaukee Bucks guard, Sterling Brown, who was shocked with a taser gun by Milwaukee police in 2018 after being cited for a parking violation, sees the NBA's restart in Orlando as an opportunity to campaign for issues of social justice and racial equality. He says a lot of eyes will be on us while we're in Orlando. People can actually see us and see our message that we can give while we're playing or at halftime, before a game, or whatever. There's a lot of ways to get out key messages, and I feel like I want to take advantage of that. We've got a platform like none other. We've got resources like none other. Let's put him on the list for people who feel they got the spotlight, they got the stage, and they want to take advantage of it. Yeah, that's what Charles Barkley was saying, out of sight, out of mind. I mean, it goes against what Dwight Howard was saying. But I would agree with uh, Sterling Brown that being the spotlight is then when you have the most opportunity, if you have a message that you want to deliver, to actually deliver that message. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I know that they're trying their best to be cautiously optimistic. You have to weigh what you're talking about. Are you talking about getting a sport going that can be observed? Mainly, you're not going to have people sitting in the stands close to each other. If you can get away with either televised completely or a very serious social distancing, Dr. Anthony Fauci on his optimism for the NFL. He's a little worried about how things will look in October. A little bit of cold water on hopes for the NFL. PK, if we've learned anything, it's June and October's a long way away. Yeah, I haven't heard from old T-Fow. All the protests and stuff have taken away from T-Fow. Seemed like you were quoting him every day there for a while. Yep, well, he's not uh, not appearing on... Uh, it's part of the protest, but you know they're not having daily updates at the White House there. He's talking for 10 or 20 minutes either. I miss so. him. Well, there he was. So, you got him back, <laughs> however briefly. Yak might have some more he can play for you in the break. That way you can hear more from him. T-Fow? I love I got T-Fow. a few more bits we can play from it if you want. Several weeks ago, the NFL was in an optimum position. Now, today, well, maybe not so much. Jet star safety Jamal Adams has requested a trade. Frustrated with the pace of the contract negotiations, per multiple reports, he would welcome a trade to seven teams. The Ravens, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Niners, and the Seahawks. Word is, 
You can trade for him, but it'll cost you a first-round pick and two second-round picks. That's a high price. Hence, nothing has happened yet. Well, I don't know that that's the actual price. (laughs) Yep, to be negotiated. Uh, 49er wide receiver Debo Samuel underwent surgery for a Jones fracture on his left foot that he suffered earlier this week while working out with teammates in Nashville, Tennessee. Samuel reported on social media the surgery went well, and the team expects him to be ready for the start of the season. I'm not going to have a season. I just heard from T-Fowl. Uh, you're going to have a start of the season. <laughs> it's the middle of the season where the aforementioned T-Fowl yeah, was but getting... Everybody knows the NFL doesn't really start till October. <laughs> Free agent wide receiver Josh Gordon... Former Ute applied for reinstatement to the NFL yesterday. Still only 29 years old. Gordon's been suspended six times since 2013, the latest in December for violations of the league's policy on performing enhancements, substances, and substances of abuse. Been a long substances of abuse, huh? Yeah. Not substance abuse. Substances of abuse, <laughs> it says here. Okay. Potato, potato, PK, come on. <laughs> He's having a problem with substances of abuse. <laughs> I think his editing, he's got a point here, Doc. <laughs> Sorry. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. The problem we have is college football, particularly the, the, the monetized sports, right? college football, basketball, the guys with the TV contracts, these sports are not going to be able to survive long term if you have 50 different states and recruiting becomes impacted and, and by this. So we need to have a national standard. That's Marco Rubio, senator from Florida. New legislation in Congress standardizing recruiting across the board, PK. It's going to fix everything. Well, maybe it'll fix something. Yeah, I think it'll make Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, and LSU better. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama and Ohio State have scheduled a home-and-home football series for 2027 and 2028. First in Columbus, then in Tuscaloosa. They'll still be wealthy, and they'll still be tradition-laden programs, but we will be coaching them. Will it really be a mega game? Right now, that sounds like a mega game. It sounds huge. Well, I wouldn't think Saban would be coaching, but what's the guy's name at Ohio State? Day? Yeah. Uh, Ryan he Day. Could be. Yeah, I would I would think he would. He could be off to the NFL, but he could be there. He could have been let go in some massive scandal. What college coaches who didn't play in the NFL go to the NFL? He's already Pretty previously rare. coached in the NFL, though. Yeah. I stand by my statement. Okay. I mean, Harbaugh, but obviously he played, he played in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey threatened to not host any future conference championship events in Mississippi until the state flag changes. Mississippi's the only state that still has a Confederate symbol, a blue cross with 13 stars, on its flag. It is past time for change to be made to the flag of the state of Mississippi, Sankey said in a statement. I agree. SEC's worth a lot of money, got some corporate partners. Don't want to be embarrassed. Put the pressure on Mississippi. Sure. Why don't you change that flag, man? Floodgates will open. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. I think we're going to play baseball this year, but never have I recalled the progress toward an eventual deal looking so awkward as this one. That's Fox Sports' John Morosi. 
70-game regular season, 60-game regular season, 50-game regular season. The Players Association proposed 70 games. Commissioner Rob Manfred immediately rejected that. I want 68 and a half. You do? Yeah. So to have like, uh, depending, you know, if the home team's winning, it goes four and a half. Or if they're losing, it goes five. I mean, let's, let's, if we're going to take this to the extreme, which it seems like we're doing, yep. let's be totally ridiculous. <laughs> Union also suggesting a uh, universal designated hitter. Hell, I you've think seen your nine designated hitters. You've seen the last platooning in baseball. You have fielders change. and you have hitters. Why should we have those guys waste time fielding ground balls? Get in the cage. And why do we got the guys who suck at hitting? Why do we have them in the cage? You are going to hit 220 forever with four homers and 18 RBI. Forget about it. And I, hey, light hitting shortstop. Tired of these lumbering dudes clogging up the base pads. <laughs> so we also have nine pinch runners. Now we really only need four pinch runners, right? Well, as long as they can re enter. Right. Well, that's a 27-man roster right there. So if they're not, if it's not of you, the way it's the rules are now, if you put him in, that's it, unless he stays in the game. Right. But you can have the, the DRs, and they can just, but they have to sprint everywhere they go. Right, that's why I had four. You don't leave three on base, but one guy's got to be catching his breath in the dugout. Sounds good. But a bonus guy in he case can't just jog out to first base. He's got to sprint. <laughs> We're done See with the jogging. The jogging was for the lumbering guys yeah. and the light-hitting shortstops. As soon as you step on the field of play, which could be foul territory, but it's right. still field of play, you have to sprint. The relief pitchers from our childhood who sprinted in from the bullpen. Oh, look at him. He ran in from the bullpen. <laughs> so athletic. Yeah, I mean, pick up, you want to pick up the pace because this game lasts too long, right? We know exactly. that. Exactly. So, guys, the, the, the DRs have to sprint. And then the other guy, he doesn't have to go down and touch first base. That's ridiculous. He could just, if he draws a walk, he can turn around and just walk back to the dugout. You know what I mean? We've eliminated the uh, four stupid uh, intentional pitches. pitches, right? That's done. The pitcher can just motion to first base. Well, the umpire does it. And so then. Then uh, he goes back, and the other dude just sprints out there. And if he wants, he can do a hook slide. <laughs> Into first base? Yeah. That'd be fun. Make it a little more entertaining, right? Or go Pete Rose style. This is about 20 yards away. Just start a full-fledged dive. Pete Rose never wrecked his fingers, his wrists, his shoulders. Because they were tough back then. <laughs> we got a bunch of wussies now. They got, like, all sorts of equipment on their Arms, legs, shoulders, fingers. Yeah, and if Pete Rose did, he never told you about it. He just played freaking right through it. Why? Because he was tough. Pop it back into play. They're so soft today. It's a joke. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. It's Shamrock Plumbing. 801. 295-1690. 295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. DJ and PK, we are live in Weber County today. The Ogden Country Club, Weber State, with their annual golf tournament. We're going to be talking with Weber State football coach Jay Hill coming up at 8.30. Also, talking jazz and NBA with David Locke at 8 o'clock. It's Father's Day weekend. Question of the day. Why is your father awesome? Because he had me. <laughs> We will get to that. It's all about PK. We will get to that next. 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. David Locke. I would agree. Just going to the arena and playing eight games is not necessarily going to be a impact on the movement and could, in fact, be a distraction. There's a legitimate argument to that. There are also, then, multiple things you could do while in Orlando that increase awareness, help the movement. If I'm a player right now, I'm empowered. We're on a neutral site. I want Black Lives Matters on the floor. And I've got a brand deal with you. My ads are not running unless they involve this messaging as well. I think that's where the players can be a force for change while playing. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. All right, PK, Father's Day Sunday. No U.S. Open. We'll have to wait for that in September. But it's still Father's Day, so the question of the day. Why is your father awesome? Could be big picture awesomeness. Could be a specific awesome incident. Something he said, did. What do you got for us? 855-340-ZONE. Hop of the line, pop off. Pop off for pops. You got a story for your dad? Oh, I got a million of them, man. Give me a classic. He was there. He's there. And it was always it was difficult for him to be there because he worked two jobs. Went from one janitor job, came home, went to another. So when like for instance when I was playing high school baseball, he couldn't be there from start to finish. But he would be there when he could be there. And he'd be there for as long as he could be there. So if he could show up in the second inning, he got there. If it was the fourth, he got there. Yeah. But he was getting there when he could get there. Yeah. He gave me his all. Absolutely. He gave me everything he had. And I'm extremely grateful for that. He's a role model to me. He's gone now. Uh, But he gave me everything he had. And I had some tender moments with him right at the end that I'm not going to share. And some stuff along the way, too, that would make me cry. But he was there. That's the thing about him. He was there. And he didn't give me a car. He didn't pay for college. He didn't help me with a down payment to a house. Because he couldn't. He would have. But he didn't have the financial means to do that. He didn't have much money at all, ever. Drove junk cars. Uh, When we'd go golfing, uh, you know, he would take his food, his lunch, his drinks. He would never buy anything. I mean, he never went anywhere. I took him to Hawaii. I took him to Notre Dame. Ah, fighting Irish, baby. Yeah. The cathedral. Yeah. I took him. I paid for it. The Tribune paid for the room. (laughs) Thanks, Tribune. (laughs) Paid for the rent-a-car, which they were going to anyway. But, yeah, I did that stuff. In terms of uh, financially, I gave him more than he gave me uh, as an adult. Not as a kid, obviously. But... He was just there. He was there. He coached my CYO basketball team. Uh, was on the staff of the Little League. Did what he could. And I know he, he gave his best. I have no doubt that he gave me his best. You know, others can give more. 
but was it their best? I don't know. That would be for the, th- those individuals who received a whole lot more to respond. I can't answer that. That would be up to them. I know he didn't give me much, but he gave me his best. And that's plenty good enough. Plenty good enough. Absolutely, yes. So just the fact that he was there. Because I can't look at and say, oh, he did this or did that. But he just was there. And then when I went to college for the first time, (laughs) he told me not to get VD. That's good advice. Yeah. And it's solid advice. Mm -hmm. It's probably a portion of our listeners thinking, well, hopefully you knew that before then. But nonetheless, reinforce the message. Well, yeah. I mean, you go to church. Is anybody, when you go and they give a sermon, are you, depending on how old you are, as you get older, is any pastor, any member of the congregation going to say anything that you don't already know? Maybe they can provide a different twist on it, mm-hmm. but you know, they're going to tell you to avoid this, avoid that, love your neighbor, love your family, blah, blah, blah. You know, the Ten Commandments are what they are. They're the Ten Commandments. They're right. not new. But you hear about them a lot. So, yes, hearing that message, you're right, was a reinforcement. And two things I got out of college. Well, really, one thing I got, one thing I didn't get. I didn't get VD, and I got a diploma. It's a good combination. <laughs> you so, win. <laughs> the goals were met. <laughs> now, I feel like if he would have told me get a 3-5 when you graduate, that might have been a little tougher. But he never said that. Because, of course, he didn't go to college, and he had no idea of what college was about. I mean, he never, never once... Actually, both my parents, when I was in college, they felt like they had no right to ask me about my grades because they weren't paying. And it was up to me. And I was the third of three. Well, I was the fourth of, for one had passed. But I, so I was the third of three living, and there was a huge gap between me and the others. So by the time I came around, you know, they were, I don't want to say they were done, but that, I think it's more they had learned from experience you know, let them breathe a little bit and go through their own. And I was, by your standards, I was a wild kid. By most other standards of the time, I don't think I was that wild. I bet you weren't as wild as some of the people I went to school with. I'm sure I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I would have to be the wildest of the wild in order for that to be. Yeah, there was. Yeah. I mean, I did stuff. I wasn't an angel by any stretch. But I, there was plenty of others who did more. I never, I never touched drugs. I felt like if if I got busted for that, that would be really bad. If I did some other stuff, <laughs> so stay away from the felonies. Stick to the misdemeanors. Yeah, the traffic tickets, the parking citations of life. Well, you know some <laughs> some other things that. That uh, I think we can all crack the code. You don't have to. Uh, you weren't legal age. I don't need a full confession right now. I'm not but in the mood. <laughs> I don't. I don't think anything that I was. I wasn't that. I never was irresponsible with it though. So, I, I think I always stayed within the bounds. I knew. I knew how far to push it. Yeah. So that would be my thing. Is that he was there? He he gave me him. What he could give me. And, and that's that has resonated with me all this time. I like it. And you go on my Twitter, the what do they call that? The the avatar. Thing? Yeah, that's him. That's him as a younger man. There he is. Yeah, the elder Kinahan. 
And I'm named after him, too. I'm a junior. I like it. Hit us up. 855-340-ZONE. Father's Day. What do you got? Why is your dad awesome? So there's no particularly outrageous story. I got two cool sports stories because that was my dad and I's big bond. He was a huge sports fan. I was a huge sports fan. Mom was staying at home. Dad was a high school teacher, so we didn't have a lot of money. <clears throat> but I was probably second grade. And I actually, uh, when I saw this PK, I called it up. I can, I can show you right where I was standing. Thank you, Google Earth. I had left I had left the old homestead right there. Was walking down the street to the bus stop. This tree didn't exist then, but I was right about there. Came out in the VW Bug, and he turned in the wrong way street, but it's a dead end, so it doesn't matter. He's going the wrong way in the street. He pulls over. He goes, hey. What do you think about getting little swinger tickets? I'm like, what are those? He goes, there's that in the paper. We can go to 11 Padre games for 11 bucks. It was like a jolt of electricity through my second grade body. Adrenaline, unlike anything I had felt in seven long years of life. Huge sports fan. And he had this deal. He had to pay for the general admission ticket, but then kids under 12, you could get them in for a buck because the Padres sucked and they couldn't get people in the stadium. And they were playing in an NFL stadium with 50,000 seats. So that became family tradition every summer. And it was in those days, it was a 12-team league, so you got to see every team come through once. And if you missed a game because it's a family trip or somebody's sick or whatever, then you could apply a ticket to another night. So we got to take our friends in the neighborhood or what. And he would go and honcho like five kids at a baseball game, which <laughs> that had to be chaos. Yeah, who wants a soda? Okay, get us all hopped up on sugar and caffeine. That's a good idea. Eight o'clock at night. We'll wind down real quick. But those were always a blast. Great memories of sitting there. In the, um, he taught us to keep score. He was a he was huge sports fan. And so... I always kept score. I went to call. I didn't know this, so I went to college. So I would keep score where home plate was on the little thing. I would put it in what everyone else would consider where center field goes, because usually you're sitting behind home plate. But we never had the money to sit behind home plate. That's not where the cheap tickets were. So when I'm keeping score in the sports information office, the guy is like, what are you doing? That's upside down. What do you mean? That's where home plate is. I always drew it like I saw it from our seats in left center field. Oh, you created your own? It wasn't a, a, a manual. So you, I, we, yeah, because he didn't want to buy four programs and we all wanted to keep score. Okay. So he would use yeah. the one from the scorecard at the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. And because he was a high school teacher, remember the old Mimeo machine? And they had to pour the fluter. You could get higher in a kite off that stuff. Holy cow, it smelled. It's like formaldehyde or something. I don't know. And so, yeah, so you had a little uh, clipboard and a little thingy and you'd write on that and there you go. Now, if a kid hit a, a, a fly ball versus a line drive, would you go L7 or would you go F7? I called them all F7. Yeah. I learned, the finer, I learned to fine-tune that uh, when I was working in the sports information office. Give it an L7. Then we'll remember if he really stung it or not. Well, yeah, exactly. That's or some can of corn 300 feet to center well, field. There's a, there's a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that uh, seven-year-old me didn't pick up on that. Dad didn't, uh, Dad didn't hammer that one home. Okay. 855-340-ZONE. And if you got a story you want to hit us up on Twitter, Callie says, Dad's awesome because he always tells me he loves me no matter what. My dad didn't do that a lot. Well, I don't know, what do you mean no matter what? 
Well, I don't know. Callie doesn't go in no matter what. Maybe Callie screwed up at some point. So if you slaughter three people, he'd still say that? I don't know that it was <laughs> that big a screw-up. Maybe we're looking for something in between a little bit. No matter what to this point. <laughs> Maybe picked a fight with a sibling or something. I don't know. That was the last words my father ever said to me. What? I love you. Nice. Yeah, he hung on until uh, I got there. I can remember my sisters called me. Uh, it's like a Tuesday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Doesn't look good, man. Yeah. So I said, okay, uh, I'll be down. And I got in a car. I just started to go to the car, and my wife's all panicked. It's a 10, 11, 12-hour drive. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. What are you doing? So uh, I made a deal with her. I would stop in Vegas for the night. So I stopped in, in Henderson because that's on the way. Uh, and so I checked in to a, there's a Marriott there. I always stay. I checked in. I didn't tell her. I barely slept. Yeah, <laughs> but I checked in. There's an official record. Yeah, and so, and I got maybe a couple hours of sleep. You got a nap and hit the road. Yeah, so I checked in, you know, about, was probably about midnight, and because she's like, she didn't want me to go all the way through, so I was able yeah. to tell her. Yeah, exactly. So but I barely slept. Wives are so lucky. And I was on the road by like 4 o'clock in the morning because <laughs> it was another, it's another five hours to get down there. And I got down there uh, probably around uh, 10 o'clock, and I went right to the hospital. And he was, he was fading, and uh, so we had a little conversation, and I told him, I said, hey, this is good news, man. You get to go home. There's people going to be waiting for you. And, you know, he hadn't seen his parents in a number of years. I never knew his father. His father died, my grandfather, who had come over from Ireland when I was like two years old. Something along those lines. Now, my grandmother, she lived till she was 98 oh. in Jersey City, and I knew her very well. Hey, but, you're you're going to live forever, PK. You're going to be out there golfing at 95. But John Kinahan, I did not know because he, he left early. He left as early. I think, uh, I believe he was like 62, I want to say. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, so I did not know. My sisters knew. My sisters have great memories of him. My my uh, Irish grandfather, mm-hmm. but I have zero uh, because of the age gap, uh, and good for them that uh, they had those, and they mean a lot to them. They talk about it, and I had I, I, some of the time I think they talk about it just to taunt me. Like we had a pretty good family before you came along, so don't think you're anything special. <laughs> <laughs> Tough love, the Kinahan way. Man, that explains some seven a.m. segments, doesn't it, folks? <laughs> yeah, we had a good thing going. Don't think you know we needed you <laughs> to make this family complete. <laughs> so they reminisce and they they like to exclude me sometimes, and I I think they do it on purpose because I think? I can't join in. <laughs> You know, my memories start when they were much older, and so they, they'll go back because uh, they used to go and uh, actually go to my grandparents' house after because both my parents worked my whole life. So my grandparents did a little child care, so they would get out of school when they were in elementary school, and they could literally walk a few blocks to where my uh, my grandparents on my father's side, my his parents, where they lived. So they they love to talk about that East Orange uh, memories that I have zero of. So uh, we we do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that was uh, I, 
I had an opportunity to, to visit with him, and then he lost consciousness, basically, and we put him in a hospice deal. And so the, the hospice uh, had said, uh, oh, it looks like it'll, it'll probably be two weeks or so. Well, what am I going to do down there for two weeks? <laughs> two weeks, you know? right, That's yeah. in Phoenix. I got, I, so I drive back on a Friday, and uh, I, I, I was not in the door. Ten minutes, when my sister calls and says, "They don't think he's going to last the night." Like, what well, am I supposed to do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he yeah. did not. He died early Saturday morning, like yeah. around five a.m. And my sister called me, and I didn't sleep that night either. Of course not. And yeah. uh, so then I went down Sunday, and I actually stayed the week because the following week, uh, the Utes were going to play the Devils in Tempe. Oh, nice. And I was going anyway. Yeah, you're already there. Yeah, so we went. Stop going back and forth. Right. So I stayed that week, uh, and I didn't do the show that week. You probably don't even remember. Uh, I took that as the bereavement because we had some stuff we needed to do yeah. with the house and whatnot. There's and always so, stuff to do. And then the Utes played. I think that was the one uh, where they kept uh, handing off and they wouldn't throw the ball. And, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That game was cringeworthy. Right, it really Actually, was. what I remember about that week is I remember you telling me about finding stuff going through the house. Yeah. You had to go through the house. And right, my, right, that right. might be the first time you told me about the baseball card collection that we priced yeah. like a week ago. Yeah, and that, yeah. that took about a week and it, uh, to go through. And it might be center. when you found that picture of glorious you with that full mane of hair, Stud Kinahan. <laughs> it was, uh, Classic! What was... That was the day after I graduated high yeah. school, which is a little, if you want to see it, it's on my little Instagram. Oh, you got to see it, people. Go to Instagram. Yeah. It's totally <laughs> worth the three minutes it'll take you to log on and remember your password. It's me, sure. You'll be like, that's him? <laughs> and then you'll want it. There's somebody you're going to want to show your, your kid, your spouse, somebody at work you listen to the show with is like, this is the high school picture that DJ and Yach talk about all the time. Yach, tell the people how much it's worth it to go look at that photo. <laughs> it's worth every second you'll spend looking at it. It was literally the day after. So I'd actually cut my hair. Looking off so. into the distance. That's the best part because you've still got a full head of yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I cut it for graduation cause, because... What was that graduation. movie with the dog, the shaggy DA? Something like that? Yeah. Some goofy dog movie? Yeah, that must have been you. We got some great stuff here on Facebook. You ready for some dad stories from people? Go These ahead. are awesome. Uh... Jared, uh, he's the most honest, hardworking guy I know. God-loving man. He's battled a disability, losing his eyesight completely before the age of 50, and it hasn't slowed him down. If anything, it's sped him up. He does more now than he ever did when he had his sight. Love you, Dad. That's inspirational right that, there. It absolutely is. Because, yeah. you know, we complain about stuff that goes wrong in our lives all the time. I'm good at it. I've had a lot of practice. Um, but then you look at this and you think, wow, that's a major thing. Some of the stuff I whined about I think is major, and some of it I know isn't major, but then when you compare it to this, you're like, eh, complaining about a lot of small stuff. Yeah. Russell, Russell, page out of your book. Well, page out of my book, too. Uh, we all got this comment. Dad, you taught me how to work. I like it. Yeah, my dad was a hard worker. He had a good work ethic. Yeah, I can say that. I can say that, too. And also, too, uh, respect people that normally don't receive a lot of respect. I can remember he had a job, uh, a second job, and he cleaned. It was not a bank. It was a, a bank company, but it wasn't a bank. It, it was, was the office, not. It was more like an office setup as opposed to. Uh, like a big warehouse, uh, uh, office, office building. And so there were. 
As opposed to a branch. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I can remember walking in there. And so he, came, he would come home, and he would eat dinner and then go do that. And a lot of times I would go up and help him because he would do it in the evening. And I can remember we walk in, and they were training a new security guard. And so the one security guard is training the new guy. And we walk down the hall, and he's telling the, the new guy who's who, so who can, because it's a swing shift hours, so most of the folks are gone. But who can you expect to see in the building while you're working? Mm-hmm. And so you, you get, we'd get to know the people, and then, you know, if you saw somebody, you'd know, well, what's up, what's going on? And so we're walking down, and the guy's walking down the hall, and the guy looks at the, this one security looks at the other, and he goes, oh, these are the janitors. Like, these are scum. Yeah. And I was a janitor because my father was a janitor. And that stuck with me. Like, Why well, you got to be like I that? Was, <laughs> you, you, I'm a friggin' senior in college. Yeah. And these are the janitors. Like, they're low life. They're not as worth as much. And because my father grew up in a minority area and held jobs that, let's call it like it is, a lot of times are held by minority folks, uh, gave me, I think, a greater empathy for... Uh, the, what would you say, the people who don't have a voice, the overlooked, the maligned, those types of folks. And I think that has stuck with me, which is why I insist that to this day, I am a nobody. I ain't nothing. <laughs> I, was, I always love that when you say Spence Eccles doesn't know who I am. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I'm nobody. A hundred percent. He does. Yeah. yeah. But you do do that. You do that all the time. Right. And then your wife always has to correct you. I'll go to my grave insisting that. Brian says, uh, and this goes right with what you were saying, uh, my dad's awesome because he was honest, hardworking, believed in treating people right and with respect. He believed in earning everything you get, never took a shortcut, and he was humble. R.I.P. Dad. Oh, for sure. Who's that? Brian. Brian, you say? Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy, man. I wish I would have known your father. Lance. Lance Camaro here says, my dad immigrated to this country at the age of 22 on a student visa. He worked very hard, graduated from college, served in the 19th Special Forces for the U.S. Army, got two master's degrees, married my mom, had five great kids, taught school for 40 years before retiring. And this September, he and my mom will celebrate 50 years of marriage. Tremendous example of perseverance, amongst many other things. You know, there's so many stories like that of people who have come from wherever they have come in the world yeah. and they've come here and you hear about this American dream. And for some mm-hmm. folks, it's not even realistic. It's like, Oh yeah, sure. But then you hear these stories that the things that they've done and they worked for it. And for them, a lot of them get upset when they see people wanting stuff without earning that because they feel like, well, I did it. Why can't you do it? Mm-hmm. And there's that sort of conflict going on there. Uh, but there's so many of those stories, which I guess you would say both of my grandfathers who came over, one from Italy, one from Ireland, and, you know, made it. Uh, the Irish, and he didn't have much. He was a policeman because in those days, that's a lot of the jobs that they could get. So if you go on The Godfather, McCluskey, who pops Michael, and then Michael <laughs> later blows him away, he's Irish, and he's a cop. So that was uh, that was part of the deal, yeah. And my one of my sisters has the little club that the, that he would hold, and they she hangs it proudly, 
In fact, I don't want to get into family history or uh, squabbles, but it's a little bone of contention on who gets to have that. Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, was sit, I, was, I was able to sit that out because I never sold him, saw him hold it. If I did, I don't remember. They right. did. So that club, uh, which is somehow, because my father had 11 siblings, but somehow we got it. And uh, so it, one of my sisters, I forget which one has it. Whoever doesn't have it is pissed that she doesn't have it. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it means something to them. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but, you know, I think the immigration story, I think that, you know, people talk about American exceptionalism, and that makes some people uncomfortable, like there aren't exceptional people in other countries or, you know. But I think that at the root of it, it's that it takes something. And I've heard stories about my great-grandfather, and he died when my dad um, was really little. So, uh, like two. So, obviously, I never met him. Uh, but I, I just think it takes something to be in a country, you know, you're maybe halfway around the world. Maybe you speak the language. Maybe you don't. Maybe you speak it a little. Maybe you speak it great. And to think that you're going to pick up, leave everything you know, leave everybody you know, go halfway around the world and bet on yourself. I didn't have to do it. I was, I was born here. Doesn't that seem outrageous? Oh, my gosh. I think, but I think that there's a, a perspective it gives you life, which you pass down to kids. So, you know, we might have it not to the degree they have it. But my great-grandfather definitely gave that to my grandfather, to my dad, to me. And my uh, great-grandfather grew up in England and was sent to Canada as an indentured servant at the age of 12. That's how hard life was. That that was a good idea to the family. Like, well, he's 12. We'll put him on a boat and send him to Canada and hope everything works out okay. But go to Canada and learn a trade. And the day when, you know, it took weeks to sail there... And he, he was there seven years, and he comes back and gets married and has some kids. And then in the middle of that, some, there was, was a family of six in my grandpa's generation. And three of them were born in the U.S., and three of them were born in England. My grandfather's one of the older ones. So he picks up, and uh, you know he knows about North America, and he's heard about San Diego. He got some letters of recommendation, which were saved, and I've gotten to read them. It's crazy. And he moves to San Diego, and then the family follows Smart three choice. months later. And right, and here he is, PK. This uh, picture of him. This is about two years before he dies, but uh, that's the uh, he's opened a flower show, flower store, and he opened a uh, nursery and landscaping business, which uh, his two oldest boys took over. And so that's an Easter picture standing in the, in the front of the store. And I see that picture, and I'm like, man, I've got like 500 questions for this guy I never met, you know. But he's standing there in his tie, looking off to his left, and you're like, man, how did you do that? But that's so many people's story. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, my father-in-law. At some point. He came over. Grandparent, great-grandparent, or I don't know, maybe depending. Different, different wings of the family come over at different times, maybe. But, you know. Yeah, he actually, my father-in-law from Switzerland came and went to Canada and then immigrated to the U.S. through Detroit, which is where he went my mother-in-law. Yeah. She, she grew up in the Detroit area. And away they went. There you go. Uh, Easter 1936 or 37 for that photo. Unbelievable. All right, and then we've got uh, <laughs> Why is your dad awesome? How about this, how about this one? <laughs> Scott Gilbert says because he can totally beat up your dad. <laughs> uh, he might depending, but uh, coming from back east, my father had some folks he could call on. <laughs> <laughs> he might have lost the first round, but he'd have won the rematch. 
<laughs> With some help, yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke's coming up at the top of the hour, and Jay Hill, Weber State football coach at 8.30. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. I have my own concerns of what happens when 40,000 students return to campus and they're going to parties and they're living in close confines and dorms. You know, as a chance of kind of a recipe for disaster, but they can't not have school. There's too much on the line. So they're going to welcome students back. They're going to play college football. I think the thing that we're starting to grapple with with college football is we might start the season on time, but we might not finish it on time. Because if Texas has 13 players test positive during voluntary workouts, fine. It doesn't really affect anything. If they have five players test positive uh, the week of the Oklahoma game, those five players can't play. Anybody that came in contact with them has to be quarantined. You know, does that lead to the cancellation of the game? It's going to be the weirdest season ever because I think that that's going to happen from time to time. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Told you, we've been working our way through the office, PK. I'm down to the finale now, two episodes to go. And they got a, they got a pretty good number of athlete walk-ons. Aaron Rodgers was in the, uh, the episode we watched last night. Judging is some kind of America's Got Talent kind of deal. And the acapella sing-off. And they had, uh, they had Dr. J in an earlier episode that was pretty cool. If you had that level of sports fame, what would you want to leverage it into? Something totally random. I mean, I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers' life goal. Chicks? <laughs> to be in the office for one scene. Chicks? But random one thing to leverage into. Chicks? Okay. And then more chicks. <laughs> Come on, that's what every guy's thinking. I know you're pure, in addition, and you don't think about that stuff. No, I'm. I'm thinking about your poor wife right now. She's gonna, she's gonna have something to say to you when you get home. Well, you you created a fantasy. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's not a fantasy for them. Dr. J got to be on the show. I'm not Dr. J. Aaron Rodgers got to be on the show. Yeah, I know, but that, you asked me. You didn't ask them. You asked me. Besides, I don't think chicks is random. I said something random. Random chicks. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, I can see I thought this was a good idea, but it's clearly going nowhere. No, it got turned right it did, on its head. It? Yeah, is there anything totally random you'd like to do? <laughs> Got a few ideas. Cougarettes for Yach. Yach. <laughs> uh, you watched anything good last night? I watched some golf. The replay. I was busy during the day. You and me both. I did the same and thing. So I looked around. I thought, uh, I'm interested in this. Jordan, so- Jordan Spieth made me think of you. 
<laughs> Jay Hill. He'll be with us at 8.30. We're at Weber State's golf tournament at the Ogden Country Club today. And uh, Jay just strolled by and had something funny to say. All right, so uh, yesterday, OB, Olive Branch Kinahan, welcoming all and extending the Olive Branch. Yes. And you had OB, says George Spieth. Uh, Spieth hit, I don't, I don't know which analyst it was, one of the analysts was talking about. Yeah, Spieth didn't hit a great shot, but that was a bad break hitting that tree and carrying at 25 yards OB. I'm like, OB! Out of bounds. All yeah. of Branch Spieth! <laughs> <laughs> he made triple bogey, but then, you know, Ooh. made six straight birdies later and shot a 29. His back nine, the, he started on 10, so uh-huh. it was the front nine actually, but uh, made me think it's going to take 20 under to win that tournament. Yeah, those guys tend to eat up courses like that, and they, yeah. eat it, and they, they just spit it out. The thing that I thought as I was watching that, and just the first round, is that uh, I got to get to Hilton Head. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I've never been there. I've been to South Carolina, but I've never been to <clears throat> so Hilton Head. The only thing I can compare it to, and you would probably know better, well, Phoenix would be the desert version, but uh, a bunch of just gorgeous courses on the water in a pretty uh-huh. small area. And I'm thinking oh, you got that Pebble Beach, Monterey, Monterey Santa Cruz area, going up through Santa Cruz. There are um, – I had a friend who lived there for a while. I was in Sacramento and went down and golfed there. And there are a lot of really nice courses you've never heard of. Public courses. You know, it rains a lot. It's really lush. Um, trees and everything just greened up. And having – you know, in Southern California, things can get pretty dry. And a golf, a golf course that's getting heavy use can get beat up a little bit. We can't, all the courses here kind of get a break in the winter just because of the weather. But those California courses can, can kind of get run into the ground sometimes, especially if they have a drought and people are playing on them year-round and from sun, sun, sunrise to sunset. They can get a, little, get a little worn around the edges. And going up and golfing in Santa Cruz, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, there's some beautiful areas there. Uh, I have not been to Hilton Head, as I, as I said, but I know someone, and he is a an ath, uh, He's in the sports in our community. Yeah, everyone would know him, and he told me he spent some time there, and he he told me you got to get there. <laughs> yeah, different course in the morning, different course in the afternoon, two different courses every day. Yeah, just keep playing. He was on a, a junket there, and he said he really really enjoyed it, and he. He usually taunts me with some of the places that he's played. <laughs> he played Pebble Beach and all that stuff, and, and it's places that I, I haven't gone. So uh, he said it was really spectacular. And looking at it on television, uh, it really looks beautiful. And I would like to check that out. They get a lot of rain, though. I mean, well, a lot of rain compared to what we get. Yeah, but you lived in Arizona and Southern California, so that goes back to the point. When I played in Santa Cruz, it yeah. rained, but we were dressed for it. It was a drizzle. It wasn't a downpour. Um, but there's a reason the courses are that lush and the trees are that tall, and, I mean, it's got to rain. Yeah, I understand that. I was just thinking about a place to live, you know. We have a nice – we actually have a really nice mix here. The courses are largely uh, – there's probably exceptions, but largely they're in – much better shape than a lot of the courses I saw in Southern California. I think a big part of that is just the weather. Yeah, it didn't rain a lot here, though, compared. Right. I mean, like I looked it up in Hilton Head, they'll get over 50 inches on average a year. We well, that's, that's even we, more than Northern California. Yeah, we don't get anything near that. No, we don't. We uh, don't. But uh, growing up in San Diego, I mean, it'd be years of like eight, nine inches of rain. Oh, yeah, Phoenix is like six. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and half of that is with the monsoons. Right. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. 
Yeah. Got three inches this week. Now we've got three inches the rest of the year. So monsoon, monsoon comes by and just dumps on you. Yeah. Yeah, because it's ferocious when it comes. Right. And it just big, right. big old downpour. You don't get those downpours ever the rest of the year. Yeah. You can maybe get some rain, just, but it's not like that. Just going from San Diego to Santa Barbara, the rain basically doubled. That was a little bit of an adjustment. Like, it's raining again? And the kids from Northern California are like, it barely rains here. Because basically it uh-huh. you know, goes up another 50 or 100% yeah. if you're from the Bay Area. Right. Which is why those courses in the Santa Cruz, Monterey area are so, so spectacular. Yeah, and they get a lot of mist and just like drizzle yeah. because of the ocean That's fog. what happened the day we were golfing. Yeah. It was a drizzle. You yeah. know, I just had a light jacket on. It was fine. Right. We had a good time. Didn't see the sun, though. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5. You know, I follow Ian Furness on social media, and he golfs a lot. And some of the courses, obviously, up in Seattle, you know, they get a ton of rain. They and do. And he's putting up pictures, and I'm thinking, that's a great-looking course. Which was funky because they played that U.S. Open up there that one year, and it was brown. <clears throat> yeah. But they do get, like, three dry months in the summer. Uh, Most of the times I've been up there have been in the summer, and the weather's been great, and it's spectacular. But I had a friend who lived in Portland for five or six years and called him up once. He said, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm at my kid's baseball game. I said, got some good weather. I guess, no, it's raining like a bleep. (laughs) But it's like you you don't have a little league season. If you don't play in the rain, you just just play. If, If the base pads get so they're just all puddled, you got to stop yeah. then, but when the Utes went to the Sweet Sixteen, they won two ball games up in Portland. So we were up there for about uh, six days, and every day, yeah, fifty, overcast and drizzle. And I was by a little league ball field, the hotel, and they were out there every day. Right. <laughs> the first time I was ever up in the Seattle area was uh, when the Buzz were brand new, and we followed them on the road. You know, what's a AAA road trip like compared to the Bull Durham, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they were in Tacoma, and it was four days of blue sky and 76 degrees. It was oh, sweet. awesome. And I made some comment, and it was one of the uh, one of the PR people for the Tacoma team was there. Said, this is awesome. What are these? Yeah, you got to soak it up. We get between 60 and 90 days of this, yeah. and then it goes gray, and we don't see the sun for months. Yeah. I'm like, well, vacation, oh. vacation in Seattle and Portland in June, July, and August, people. <laughs> yeah, no thank you. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 12.8 of the zone. David Locks next, then Jay Hill.